Welcome back to Search the Scriptures. Great to be back together again on the program today, and it's always a pleasure and a blessing to be able to be together and study God's Word. We do hope and we pray that you are really learning more and more about God, about His will for your life, and about uh, what the Scriptures teach us about so many things as we get together each day right here and search the Scriptures. We really do dig deep, we look at it in detail, and yet we try to explain it in a way that is easy to understand and that makes sense for your everyday life. We want to help you come closer to God. In fact, we want to help you get to heaven. And the best way that we can do that is teach you His Word. Now, we're not going to blow a lot of smoke at you and, and just try to pump you up emotionally and, and get you all charged up you know, with emotions and feelings. And We want to help you understand the truth of what God's Word says. Jesus said in John chapter 8 and verse 32, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. He identified what that truth is on the night of his betrayal as he was praying to the Father in John chapter 17 and verse 17. And he said, Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. And that is followed up on by what the apostles and what the early church understood and taught. They taught the truth of God's word as being that body of information that leads us to salvation. In fact, the Apostle Peter was very detailed and clear and direct when he wrote in 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning with verse 22, Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth, through the Spirit in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. So you see, it is absolutely critical that we study and that we learn God's word and then make the proper applications to our lives if we want to be with him in heaven for eternity. His word guides us to forgiveness and redemption and salvation in Jesus Christ. It is the truth of God's word that leads us to that peace, to that forgiveness, to that redemption. It is the, word, the truth of God's word and our obedience to it, Peter said, that leads us to have our souls purified before God through the blood of Christ. As you come to understand better and better, your faith should be growing stronger and stronger. Because again, faith comes by hearing the word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. So God's word is pivotal. Our understanding it, our learning it, and our obeying it is crucial. When we have a view of the judgment scene it laid out for us in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 8, Paul said that Jesus is going to come, the Christ, the Son of God, is going to come on that day in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our obedience to God's word is key. Jesus said in John chapter 14 and verse 15, If you love me, keep my commandments. So we're here to teach you the truth of God's word. Now sometimes some people may not like what they hear. 
because truth can hurt sometimes. Truth can rub us the wrong way because we have not understood the truth and we've not been living by the truth. And all of a sudden when we learn the truth, we can be looking in a mirror that says we've been wrong, we've been mistaken. And ultimately, as we process that, we need to change. We love you. God loves you. And the best way we can help you is to teach you the truth of God's word in depth and in detail. So that's what we're about. That's what we're about. At the end of the program, we'll tell you how you can contact us. And you can ask for a free Bible study that will take you through God's plan for your forgiveness, your redemption, your salvation, right from the scriptures. You can study it yourself. You can read the scriptures for yourself. The study is free. It always is free. We never charge people to learn the gospel. We want to help you get to heaven. Write down that information, have a pencil or a pen ready to do so, and then contact us and ask for that free study. You can also receive a copy of today's program on CD for free. Again, and again, we'll take care of the postage in both of these cases. All you have to do is ask. So be ready to write down that information and then contact us. Now we're going to get back into the study we've been looking at for the last several programs. It's entitled, Everything Changed One Day. It talks about the first man and the first woman in their first place of residence, the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve. God created them, and he created all of mankind in his own image. We have a soul. We have the ability to understand the very concept of godliness versus ungodliness, of good versus evil, of righteousness versus unrighteousness. We can understand God. Now, I mean the reality of God. We cannot understand all the infinite details of God's mind because we're mortal. We're fleshly. But he has created us with a soul. And so we're created in his image. We have a spiritual being within us. And that gives us the advantages over everything else that he created to understand these vital concepts and principles. We can understand that we're created in God's image and that we have a hope. We have a promise from God that if we will follow him faithfully, obediently, that we'll be with him forever in heaven. What a great promise. What a great hope. What a great blessing. But now, again, the condition is that we follow him faithfully and obediently. We noted in Genesis chapter 1 that God created man in his own image, in the image of God, and put him in so, and put all, all else that he created in subjection to man. Man, he created to be the superior being in all creation. Now then we saw in Genesis chapter 2 that God placed the man in the garden and he gave him all the produce of the garden to eat except one tree, the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he told him that in the day you eat thereof you shall surely die. So one restriction, one prohibition that we have recorded in Scripture. And God created a woman to be with the man. 
a helper, a companion likened to the man, comparable to the man. And he demonstrated by bringing all the animals that God had created before the man to let him name them that nothing else was comparable. So God created marriage. And in verse 25, the last verse of Genesis chapter 2, we saw that the man and the woman were together. They were naked. They were not ashamed. They were innocent. There was no sin. Now, it's very difficult for us to conceive of an existence, and particularly a world wherein there was no sin and none of the consequences of sin. But that was the case for Adam and Eve in the beginning and in the garden. And then we saw in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, the devil shows up. He takes the form of a serpent, a subtle approach. And he begins to question the woman about whether God had said that they could eat of all the trees of the garden. She said, oh yes, we can, except one, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the tree that is in the midst of the garden. And God has said, in the day we eat of it, we shall surely die. So they've stayed away from that to this point. And so the devil lies to her and he says, you will not die. And then he deceives her and says, God knows that if you eat of that fruit, you're going to be like, like God to know good and evil. Well, she would know good and evil. She would be a sinner. And so she looked at that, the fruit of that tree. That was a mistake. She lingered over it. And a lot of times that's our approach or our entry into sin is we linger over the temptation to sin. And she saw that it was in her mind's eye, and based upon what the devil had deceived her into believing that it was a tree that was good for food, it was a tree that was desirable to make one wise, and it was a tree that was pleasant to the eyes. Well, the devil's very skillful in making sin look tempting. (laughs) Sin look pleasurable making sin look inviting. But then when we're fishing and we're using that lure or that bait, that's what that's designed to do to the fish. Make it look inviting. Make it look pleasurable. But then when he bites and the hook is set in his jaw, everything changes. So the woman ate of that fruit, and she gave to her husband, Adam, and he ate, and everything changed at that moment on that day. Now they were sinners. They saw their nakedness in a whole different light, and they sewed for themselves fig leaves to cover themselves because they were ashamed. They had not been ashamed before. They had been naked, but they had not been sinners. They had seen no, nothing out of the way of that. But now they were shameful. They were sinners. They were no longer innocent. Everything changed. And then we noted also that they removed themselves from the presence of God. And so it would seem to indicate in verses 8 and 10 of Genesis chapter 8 through 10, verses uh, verses 8 through 10 in Genesis chapter 3, that they must have had a 
close personal relationship with God. It must have been a common thing for them to have spoken to him in the garden, to have, to have heard him in his presence there in their midst because they heard him walking in the garden and they hid themselves because they were ashamed. And they were ashamed because they were sinners. So sin separated them from God. Sin separates us from God. Isaiah chapter 59, verses 1 and 2. And the consequence of sin that is not repented of and forgiven when we die, that will separate us from God for all of eternity. That's called eternal condemnation in hell. Second Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 9. Now, we also noted in our last program that their sin necessitated the sacrifice of God's Son as the Savior. You see, the reality of mankind was different now. As I've emphasized in this particular study, everything changed at that moment, on that day, when they disobeyed God and ate of that forbidden fruit. They became sinners. They were no longer innocents. And now the consequences of sin became a part of their reality in their life. And part of the consequence was that now man needed a Savior. Now, from other passages of Scripture, such as in Ephesians, we find that God already had the plan in mind before he ever created mankind. Because God, in his omniscience, his being all-knowing, his foreknowledge, he knew what was going to happen. He created man as a free moral agent in God's image with a moral compass, the ability to understand the right from wrong, good from evil, righteousness from unrighteousness. He wanted man, and he still wants us, to follow him of our own accord because we love him because of the love he has already exhibited toward us. And he has told us that if you will follow me in faithfulness and obedience, I will bless you and the blessings will, beyond, will be beyond anything that we can experience in this world. Because he's talking about eternal life. But he also blesses us in this life, in this world. And he's also warned us that the consequences of disobeying him and sinning against him is, well, that eternal separation from God. Eternal condemnation. So now man needed a savior, and that meant that God would have to send his son into the world as the savior because there was nothing else in this world that was high enough, that was pure enough, that was noble enough to suffice, to be able to be the sacrifice necessary to pay the price for the guilt of man's sin because God created man above everything else. Now, God also foretold that there would be strife between the devil and the Savior. The devil would bruise his heel. He would cause him some problems, persecution, and so on. But ultimately, Christ, the Savior, would bruise the head, crush the head of the devil. Christ would be victorious. And so will all of his faithful followers. And God then began to pronounce judgment upon the woman, talking to her in, uh, verses, uh, in verse 16 that she was going to be increased in her conception, bearing children. And her desire would be toward her husband along that line. 
but she would bear her children in sorrow and pain. So physical pain became a greater reality. I don't know what it was like if there was even any physical pain there for them before they sinned, but the pain was going to be increased if they had experienced it at all before. Then he begins to pronounce judgment upon the man. And he tells Adam, beginning with verse 17 in Genesis chapter 3, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. So you see, it's not just the man and the woman who experiences these profound changes in their life, but it's the world. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. You're going to have to work for a living. And basically you're going to have to work hard for a living. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth to you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. Your labor, in other words, is going to be less than 100% productive and efficient. You're going to have problems. You're going to plant crops and thorns and thistles are going to choke them out. You're going to have to work hard, and not all of that work is going to be productive. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, and for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. Physical death became a reality for mankind. God created man from the dust of the ground, going back to chapter 2 and verse 7. And now God says in a graphic way, you're going to return to the ground. You're going to die. And we understand that when we die physically, our physical bodies decay and go back to the dust of the ground. For out of it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you shall return. Everything changed that day when man sinned. And then the pronouncement goes on. He says, or it, it says, Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. All mankind descends from Adam and Eve. Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. Where do you think the tunics of skin came from? I think obviously animals, animal skin. You see, we don't have any record of any kind of death, either for man or animal, until Genesis chapter 3, when man sinned. And now God pronounces death upon the man and the woman, upon humankind because of their sin, and also some animals had to die for God to take the tunics of skin and make clothing for the man and the woman who were now ashamed of their nakedness because they were no longer innocent, now they were sinners. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us to know good and evil, and now lest he put out his hand and all take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out the man and placed cherubim, that is angels or angelic beings, at the east of the Garden of Eden, and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. 
the man and the woman, as we pointed out in an earlier program, when they sinned, that was spiritual death. That was separation from God. Remember what Paul writes in Romans chapter 6 and verse 23, the wages of sin is death. Remember what we read in Isaiah chapter 59, verses 1 and 2, that our sins separate us from God. That's spiritual death. But physical death also became a reality. God removed the man and the woman from the garden. That's probably what we should understand as paradise on earth. Would no longer be their home. Would no longer be the home of any human being. They were removed from the tree of life. As long as they had eaten of that tree, their physical lives were sustained and would have been forever. But now they no longer had access to the tree of life. But God, again, he has foretold of the Savior coming into the world, going back to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, the first messianic prophecy as we call them. And so the Savior would come, and man would have the opportunity to be forgiven, to be redeemed, reconciled, brought back into a right relationship with God, saved, eternal life. But that tree of life now is in heaven. And look at the contrast. In Revelation chapter 21 and verse 4, when the saved are restored to the tree of life in heaven, the difference between what we experience in this life, in this world, and what we will experience there, oh, is so profound. Verse 4 of Revelation 21 says, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Oh, what a dramatic difference. What a blessing to be there. But to a great extent, I think that's what Adam and Eve experienced in the garden until they sinned. And then everything changed that day. We'll look at some more consequences of the changes that sin brought to this world and to the existence of mankind next time. Do hope you'll tune in. We pray that you will. In just a moment, we'll tell you how to contact us. Write down that information and then get with us and ask for the free Bible study that will help you change your life and look forward to eternal life in heaven with God. Our prayers are with you and our prayers are for you.